Alternative Radio. I wasn't overly crazy about the lyrics. <laughs> well, uh, see, I liked it. I found myself in the morning. I, I was like washing my hair in the shower, and I was like, if you, know, you got a bald spot, I know, I know. you must, must be, be growing up. up. <laughs> I was you know, doing it. It was charming. All right, all right. I give you that. Yeah. It, but there was amazing. one guy there who, like, th- he was that guy. He was kind of tall not you tall but like taller than me which you know, that's not that tall but uh he had like the long like he looked like evil santa claus like he had this very long oh, hair yeah. long beard he was wearing like this uh this fleece vest with like yeah. you know like and drinking paps blue ribbon right like dad jeans and he came in and like he stood there and watched them for about like 10 or 15 minutes had his arms crossed bobbing his head and stuff like that but the scowl never left his face and when i saw him walking by me i whispered to my wife i was like that's a man who's looked another man in the eye and watched him die <laughs> I was like, she she looked at me and she looked at his face. She looked at me and she was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." I was like, that he, "People called him Axel in prison. I know it." <laughs> Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Another week without a new episode. So we got to apologize this time around because Jay went and got himself his own place. And then he went and moved into his own place. Then he had so much shit to do that he didn't have time to come and record. But that's fine because I was going back to work after just having a month off for paternity leave. And now that I am back at work, I am just now remembering how hard it was to work and do the podcast at the same time so we just couldn't get everything to align for me and jay to get together this week so instead we decided to go back into our back catalog to one of those episodes that uh, for some reason doesn't upload to itunes so i just figured you know why not why not put it out now for the new listeners who may not have heard episode 125 in this episode me and jay did our top five favorite fan theories that we wish were true now the reason we're doing this is because our good friends over at the countdown pod paul and wayne they just recently did their own list of their favorite top 10 fan theories that that they wish were true so go ahead over check out the countdown pod listen to this episode see how our lists match up now let's get into this episode time for our top five countdown you and i haven't done a top five for a couple weeks we've been shying away from because we got real comfortable doing them and i didn't want to keep harping on the same type of uh i don't mind the same type of show (laughs) over and over again but this is one me and you meant to do weeks ago we were supposed to do our top five movie fan theories that we wish were true or may actually turn out to be true time will tell on them so Jay, we got to do this, man. There are so many movie fan theories out there. There are so many movies that, you know, movies don't always explain 
everything about their plots. And some things are always meant to be brought back and aren't brought back. And some things are, are, are never said and are only exist within the director's head. Sometimes left an interpretation from each uh, viewer and fan. Sometimes we get a fan theory that comes out and sometimes it turns out to be true years ago. You know, when Spider-Man homecoming was coming out about two years ago, people were all saying like that little boy in Iron Man two who stands up to the drone and Iron Man flies down and protects that little boy and says, nice work, kid flies away everyone's like that would be cool if that was peter parker and then you know what marvel went yeah that, that was, was peter parker <laughs> and then we all went oh cool man they're trying to make iron man too cool right and there's even other like cooler <laughs> fan theories like you know like in predator like predator 2 they show a xenomorph skull in his in his thing and then he went you know and people got nuts about that and fox went you know what you like that here's alien versus predator we didn't deliver on it but we did it <laughs> So sometimes fan theories come out to be true, and it's really cool to think about them, and it's really cool to speculate, because as film fans, when the film is over, the only thing we have left to do is to talk about it, dissect it, and get super deep into it, and that's where all these fan theories come from. Yes, but we're not going to get super deep and into it. Well, you might, it depends. but I'm not. It depends. <laughs> Maybe we will. We'll see. Depends. It depends. Like a senior citizen home. <laughs> Stock up on your depends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay. Let's get started with you, man. What is your number five? Okay, my number fan theory? five is Blade Runner, nineteen eighty-two. You've done a man's job, sir. I guess you're through, huh? Finished. The fan theory is not only is Deckard a replicant. But he is a replicant implanted with the memories of a former Blade Runner. So here's the thing. Detective Gaff. Blade Runner 2049 didn't even answer that question. No. Hey, whether he was a a replicant or not. If anything, it gave probably a little bit more evidence towards the fact that he was just straight up human. Yes. With with his interview with with Gaff? Right. Right. Right, they, they they just didn't get along. They understood that, and they they, they kept uh, kept away from each other. Right, um, which you can kind of see. But I like this theory because it would explain why he is a replicant, and no one would ever know that he's a replicant, and we'll never get an answer to why he's exactly. a replicant. Because he's not just a replicant; he's a replicant of of a human. Uh, he's he's a replicant with a replication of a human mind. But it also <laughs> would underst- it would also make sense why Gaff would not say that. Right, but it also, but it in also, twenty forty nine. It also makes sense why Gaff is the one that leaves him the unicorn right. at the end, because if it is a memory or a dream that Deckard is having, and he has the mind of Gaff, that means that Gaff also has that dream, and then therefore understands that Deckard has that dream, which is why the unicorn would have meaning, and, that, and he knows that it would. And that theory would make a lot more sense if Deckard had one of those things in. Uh, the old casino when you see him in 2049 you don't see any kind of prop like that whatsoever around other than whiskey <laughs> right well he's uh aging deckard so like i feel like young deckard was me uh aging deckard was you <laughs> that's why he surrounds himself with whiskey yeah me i'm i'm conflicted <laughs> you you realize all you'll, of- you'll probably go on some occasional benders but you know 
Your life is um, there. Uh, my life is there. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 the difference between between uh, hoping to save the city and giving up and saying all is lost and drinking yourself into oblivion. <laughs> you are Ben Affleck, Batman, sir, and yes. I am Christian Bale, Batman. <laughs> yep. All right, Jake. My number five. Daily dose of blowfish. <laughs> Ferris Bueller is not real. Hello. Cameron, babe, what's happening? Very little. How do you feel? Shredded. That's all in your head. Come on over. I feel like complete shit, Ferris. I can't go anywhere. I'm dying. You're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do. He is actually a creation of Cameron's imagination. He is the version of Cameron that Cameron wishes he was. You fucker. That's on my list. <laughs> I, I love this theory because it, it seems the movie seems like Ferris Bueller's Day Off seems so outlandish. First off, it, it is. It is probably my favorite John Hughes film. It's I think it's mine, too. Yeah. So um, it's one. Of, it's it's. It's amazing. But Ferris is the embodiment of who we all wish we were in high school. You know, we wish we knew how to have that level of fun. We wish that we knew how to put a day off together like that, cram so much in a day, and, you know, be able to afford you know 40 dollar tickets to it to a to a game you know a hundred dollar meal uh and and also jump on stage and perform in whatever day parade and still annoy in. your sister right and still annoy your sister and you know we wish we were that smart clever handsome and talented like we all wish we were and that is what the theory comes from is that cameron is none of those things he's the sidekick character but he wishes he was and it gets into that fight club realm yeah. where we were talking Right. In our drunk scene where, you know, Tyler Durden is the embodiment of everything that Jack, the narrator, wishes that he was. And I, I think we all have a version of ourselves that we wish we were. It's it's probably. Well, you're you're my version, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you're mine. <laughs> but we are all about three quarters away from who we think we really are. We're not we're not quite there in our, in our own heads. To other people, we are sad versions of that version that we think we are. And I, I, I absolutely love this theory. And it explains a whole lot it does especially you know like that scene where like he's on the phone and he answers the phone and cameron's like i'm sick it's like you're not sick you just can't think of anything else to do it's almost like a conscience speaking to you it's almost like you know the other side of yourself saying like you know get up asshole and, do something and, with and the zombie state of mind that cameron is right. in a lot of times especially you know well, actually, throughout a lot of the picture, and especially during, during the end when there, he has to make that... Um, there are holes in this theory. Uh, uh, well, yes. Because <laughs> There's say, a lot of holes in this movie, who but say, it's so enjoyable. Who saves Cameron from drowning if Ferris is not real? Mm. Yeah, there's some holes in this theory. But I think what, what this theory lends credence to is, I would say, less so that Ferris is in a, is, is, exists in, in uh, Cameron's mind, and more so that the film is being viewed through Cameron's mind. So maybe the water tower doesn't say save Ferris on it, but in Cameron's mind, it does. In Cameron's mind, this was the day that they had, but in reality, it was probably much more mundane than this. Yeah. So I would say that. I, like, that's what I think this this uh, theory leads credence to not that Cameron's crazy and has a split personality, but more so that you know he doesn't suffer from multiphasic personality disorder, but that he has um, he, he, he has a, a twisted 
sense of of Ferris and what he is, but also know? development that he needs as an individual, as a man, as an as a young man trying to grow up and be you know come out of his own shell to to you know not just be the introverted kind of uh, moth on the wall. Exactly. You know, he just kind of meanders throughout life and doesn't know doesn't know how to speak up for himself or anything like that. Uh, my number four is a lot of fun. I think it might be on your list: Reservoir Dogs. You're gonna be okay. Say the goddamn words. You're gonna be okay. Oh, God. Say the goddamn fucking words. Flash Pulp Fiction. All right, so I um, have Tarantino on my list, but it might not be this theory. My Tarantino theory encompasses a whole lot of shit, so we'll get into that. But The bank heist? Okay. That might take place the same day that Jules and Vincent play out their story in Pulp Fiction. Okay, that explain, one? explain this theory. No, it's not that. Okay. Well, I mean, it would explain why the hitmen are able to, you know, drive a blood-soaked car through a busy city without encountering any kind of police trouble. And, you know, the boys in blue are obviously clearly busy trying to find these guys okay in reservoir so, dogs so they take place on the same day and the reason jules and Vern get away with everything everything is because you, or, you don't or, see any cops i said Jul- i said jules and Vern. i said <laughs> but you don't Vern. but you don't see cops really in the movie at all and so like i said jules and Vern, as if it's like uh, back to the future three oh, these geez. are my sons jules and Vern. jules and vincent <laughs> get away with what they did because the cops are busy catching the bank heist yeah and and ass raping men yeah yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely fair enough yeah i like that i like theory. it i like it um yeah I, my, I i find it interesting my tarantino theory covers a whole bunch of shit it's very wide yes that's a little bit more in depth than mine all right so my number four jay is that the joker is a war veteran, possibly special ops, possibly counterintelligence. So he has that line in the film where he says, Nobody panics when things go according to plan, even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that like a gangbanger will get shot or a truckload of soldiers will be blowing up, nobody panics because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mare will die, well, then everyone loses their minds. Like, he has that line, and it seems so, like, delicately placed that, like, he, he names off two or three different things that happen that everyone says, yeah, whatever. Sure. But someone blows up a truckload of soldiers, and everyone loses their mind. So, like, the theory is that the Joker is was a, a former soldier, and that's why he, and counterintelligence at that, that's why he is so good at setting up these type of plans and stuff, but he also is a victim of of a war and it's also why he has such a hard on for fucking the establishment for mm. going against the grain for mm. being for, for for being an embodiment of anarchy because right. uh, a war veteran has you know especially you know uh, uh, one that went through some stuff that he went through because it, it could possibly be that the scars on his face are caused by shrapnel which is why he makes up all the different stories about it it's a nice theory i i like it it makes a lot of sense when you look into the joker's planning and stuff like that and you wonder like well you know how did he know this was going to happen if a lot of things always get solved with well he's cia or or former military intelligence right you know? like, right right, right. It, it, it makes a lot of sense however i don't like the fact 
fact that anyone would try to find a backstory for the Joker. Just let him be the Joker. I I, I, I agree. Um, I that's like- why I'm, I'm, I'm a, that's my one nervous thing about the Joaquin Phoenix movie because I think it's I'm not sure if it's an I'm not, was it is it supposed to be an origin movie? It is supposed to be an origin Joker movie. Um, I don't want it to get too heavy, right? In, I want the, in the jo- backstory. I want to see a little bit more of his development I, and his ticks. And right. I like the idea out. that the Joker just exists and he only right. exists now because sure. Batman exists. Like I like that. You know, you reap your own demons, and Batman has created this demon, whether yeah. he wanted to or not. The laws of escalation, which were set forth yeah. in in Batman Begins, when he says like, you know, Batman pulled the curtain away right. from the inner joker inside this man but not only that like he he allowed for the fantastic to exist and he invited the challenge and a a person a mysterious person who came out of nowhere rose to meet that challenge in a fantastical way i love the mystery i never want to know it's my biggest knock on the 1989 batman film is that we know that the joker is jack napier the person who killed uh, you know the uh bruce wayne's family I, mm. I, I like that Bruce Wayne's family was killed by a no name uh you know thug Joseph Chill. Yeah, you know, he was just right. he, he he was a a symptom of the disease, not not the disease itself, where the Joker is in fact uh, the extreme symptom. Like he is the cancer of of Gotham. He is what Gotham has wrought by supporting Batman. Like I like that. So the only reason I don't like the theory is because it adds logical explanation to something that doesn't need a logical explanation. And something that doesn't. We don't really need. want that either. I don't want that either. But no. I like the theory, and I think it's well thought out. Well, I have a bittersweet theory. Forrest Gump. This is my very good friend, Mr. Gump. Can you say hi to him? Hello, Mr. Gump. Hello. You're a mama, Jenny. I'm a mama. His name's Forrest. Like me? I named him after his daddy. He got a daddy named Forrest, too? You're his daddy, Forrest. That Jenny's son, who is presented to Forrest as his own offspring at the movie's conclusion, isn't really his son at all. So... I always wondered about Forrest Gump because even when I was a kid and I watched this movie and we find out that Jenny has AIDS in my mind, I went, okay, so Forrest and Forrest Jr. both have AIDS, (laughs) right? Like that's, they both have AIDS. That's the that's the that's the bittersweet ending. Wow, is that both of them are going to die of AIDS together, father and son. Sorry to say. Mm. At least that's what I took from it. Because we don't know when Jenny contracted HIV. Probably from- I guess that feather's gonna have to keep on flying <laughs> flying around in the air. Can we do Forrest Gump too? And, and it's Haley Joel Osmond, uh, and he's he's taking his his rounds of medication to stave off the HIV virus. And and eventually Forrest has to die, and then he goes through everything that happened to him between the nineties and twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, I you know Can we do that. I I actually weirdly like it though because it, it 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 just fits into that bittersweet so what's story the, narrative so, so of what's, this film altogether anyway. It does. So what's the theory though? That like that she slept with so many men that that, that the, it's not her, his son. Well, it wouldn't be. I mean, honestly, like when I watched, well, the movie, they did have sex. I never thought that it was his son. I never thought everybody else would imply that because it's the last time you see her get down with anybody is Forrest, but, and then all of a sudden, but Jay, she, boom, Jay, she had sex with him in the nineteen seventies and. This 
this is the 1990s. Look, by I'm the just time saying, kids the around. movie portrays it to be forests. No, the movie portrays but it. When you think forest, about it, I never it's thought. Not. Oh, I did. I never thought I, that I that was his son. Well, in my I, mind, I'll, I mean, first of all, I was a kid, and I grew up with this movie, so um, so Nookie. I equals, was naive in that. So Nookie aspect. equals babies. No, in my mind, even when even when I was younger, watching this movie, I never thought that this child was Forrest's. Oh, I, I always did. thought she I always named did. the child after the only person she's yeah. ever truly loved because she never loved her family. She never loved any man that right. she was really with. The only constant in her life, the only person who was only ever there for her was Forrest. She named her child after him. And the only reason that she told Forrest that he was that, that he was the father was because she knew that despite Forrest's shortcomings, he would be the best father for her child. He would be a good person to her son the same way he was for her. Yeah. So no, in my mind, I always thought it was never her child and and you know maybe to, i just to have, be maybe to, i'm just a terrible person maybe i can never i only see the macabre i never well, see the, I'm, the I'm i'm impressed but like no i actually never got that until i saw this and i really really loved it and i thought it was really spot on and i thought it was really poignant and um yeah i enjoyed it all right jay my number three the shining is an apology from Stanley Kubrick, he's apologizing for his hand in faking the Apollo 11 moon landings. So historically, conspiracy theorists will always say uh, that the moon landing was faked. And if the moon landing was faked, that means there has to be a director. If someone directed the film, who better than the phenom director who made 2001 A Space Odyssey, who made people feel like they were actually in space when they weren't? Stanley Kubrick was the one who faked the moon landing. So a lot of people have this theory that he is the is the Artur who faked the moon landing and that The Shining is the apology for it. And if you watch the documentary Room 237, there is some credence to this in in little set design things. So uh, the carpet on the floor like that that the design that Danny is constantly running over with his big wheel if you actually freeze it and you look at the design that's on it it looks a lot like the Apollo launch pads. It just looks like a 70s design to me. I don't know about all that, but it's there's pretty wild though. There's constant references to Apollo 11 uh, throughout it and even Danny's sweater uh, is Apollo 11 at certain points. He's wearing a sweater that says Apollo 11 with a rocket ship on it and stuff like that. So that, that that's a big conspiracy theorist one and also movie theory all rolled into one. If you haven't watched a documentary, Room 237, definitely watch it if you're a Stanley Kubrick and especially a Shining fan. It's worth your time and I found it extremely interesting because they get into a bunch of other theories about Stanley Kubrick and The Shining and a lot of other things as well. It is fantastic. Uh, but I always like this because i don't know whether the moon landing was real or not i just know that that the entire world thinks it was real and that america got there first and i'm okay with that because <laughs> america oh, fuck yeah fuck yeah jay what is your number two uh, my number two is ferris ferris bueller's so we already discussed that a little bit um it's it's definitely one of those things where i really enjoyed the movie so thoroughly but in hindsight realizing and kind of relating to like the depressive state of mind that Cameron's in and and, and just really um, wanting and 
kind of living through vicariously through uh, Ferris's joyous life uh, in this one great day and and um i i just kind of enjoyed the theory even though there is a ton of holes and it doesn't thoroughly make sense when you really reflect back upon the movie and it's such an endearing movie and it's definitely one of my favorite john hughes films yeah i mean that's why i put it at number five because it, it's a theory that while fun uh could probably never be true uh yeah and honestly my order is a little bit slammed together it's probably not <laughs> entirely accurate as far as rankings um but um you know i think they're all very interesting i really do enjoy my list sure so jay my number two is that the tarantino films all take place in the same universe some of those movies take place in the same universe other ones are movies that exist within his movie universe Mm -hmm. oh i'm sorry did i break your concentration i didn't mean to do that please continue you were saying something about best intentions. What's the matter? Oh, you were finished. Oh, well, allow me to retort. So where Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs exist in the in his movie universe, other ones like The Inglorious Bastards and From Dust Till Dawn and Kill Bill all are films that exist in his movie universe. And there are some credence to this. Sergeant Donnie Donowitz, who was in The Inglorious Bastards, the theory, one of the theories is that the, the Donowitz producer that is in some of his other films produced the film Inglorious Bastards, who kind of glorifies his his grandfather, who was, or great-grandfather, who was Donnie Donowitz in The Inglorious Bastards. Uh, there are other things that, like in Django Unchained, their last name is Von Shaft. It's like a prequel to Shaft. So it's another movie that exists in this Tarantino universe. Uh, it gets pretty deep. You can actually find some of these fan theories uh, online. You can actually do a Google image search and you'll see like, you'll see one of those line graphs that kind of like uh, connects all the different like little things together. Mm. And I find it very interesting because it kind of ties into your theory where it's like Reservoir dogs and right. pulp fiction take place on the same day yes and they're in the same universe where you and you can also say like jackie brown's probably in that universe mm-hmm. uh, but other films such different things happen right but also if hitler died in a movie theater wouldn't everyone if that took place in the actual universe that exists in tarantino's films if hitler actually died in the movie theater wouldn't that explain why all of tarantino's characters are so pop culture savvy why like the world would have like kind of like this this obsession with pop culture because it's pop culture that really and that really ended adolf hitler in the end like it's there's so many cool like little twists to it it's honestly a such a deep theory that i can't even get into how deep the theory goes and and what's fun about it is quentin tarantino is a fan right huge fan of film what's what's fun and loves theories and loves this kind of shit when people ask him about this stuff he goes sure sure sure. yeah why not yeah whatever you want yeah Yeah, Yeah, make it your own. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. You know, just just, if if you think that, then yeah, I think that's really cool. I don't. don't, I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I think you can really do that. Yeah, like he's he's like such an eccentric guy, and I love him. So, um, you know, when you were doing that, I actually got Martin Scorsese too. (laughs) 
Very similar guys. Very similar. Very and similar guess what? Guys. They're both uber film fanatics. Right. Like they're apparently the two <laughs> directors uh, that probably are the most the the, the most. Uh, Look, my next film uh, is going to be me grace. filming Uma Thurman's feet for about three hours. <laughs> There's going to be at least ten cum shots on it. I mean, I'm not going to lie; I really love her feet. <laughs> You're not going to see the fingers, but it's going to be my fingers tickling them. <laughs> uh, so I I really do love that theory. It's it's a really fun one, and it has such depth that you can literally watch every Tarantino film yeah, and kind of cool. connect it to a another one sure. in some way and i, I love that yeah. so oh uh, well, i don't have that time but <laughs> jay, jay what's your number one? um well i don't mention bond enough but james bond isn't a man but rather a codename oh that went out with a whimper there dave all right, but it's rather a code name Hello, passed on from one MI6 agent after another over the years. Hello, Pusher. And it would explain <laughs> why there's so many different variations of Bond and the behavior. This was and having one, M play a central role, continuing throughout. This was one that was actually these. put the rest though. They they kind of said that no, nah, that's. That's well, not the case. Of course not, but I kind of like it. The studio shut this one down. But again, like I said earlier, this isn't really my number one, <laughs> but it's uh, ranked my number one it's for really some cool other reason. But I do enjoy it because I love the franchise and I love Bond. Isn't Sky, didn't and Skyfall destroy this because like he goes to the Bond yes, house? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it was Skyfall that was like, yeah. hey, fuck you, internet nerds. Yeah. Like, fucking it, 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 was, it was by far his most um, personal character arc film why haven't they remade octopussy (laughs) i would love daniel craig to just because in this day and age we still can't use the word pussy and i would love daniel craig to walk up and go hello pushy (laughs) you know just that with that smooth swap hello hopefully happens in his last movie jay honorable mention one that i have does involve sean connery and it is that his character in the rock is james bond love it I love that theory. Yeah, that's a th- it makes definitely an honorable so mention sense. for mine too. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> it just it makes sense with 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 you know the way that he knows everything that he knows and the way that he gets out and stuff it makes sense that he would be former MI six. You know, it, I would love for that one to be true. I would love for Michael Bay to be like, you know what. I wanted to make a Bond movie, but I couldn't. So I yeah. made Sean Connery's character in The Rock to be Bond. But I just couldn't name him that because it wasn't made by MGM. Uh, one of mine was uh, Alfred is actually Bruce Wayne's real father. I hate that one. It's it's just dumb. I, I hate that one. But I, I, I it, it made it, for a second there, I liked it. In, in the Nolan? <laughs> for literally a second, I was like, ah. In the Nolan universe? Like, oh, no, it's just in not. the Nolan universe, I would go with that. But as far as like a Batman character as a whole in yeah. the comics and everything else? No. I, I, yeah, I don't like like it as a whole as 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 their um standalone characters it doesn't make any sense and i don't like it as the story um for batman or for alfred but when i first came across it i was like ah and i kind of like sort of liked it but i was like oh that's just retarded though that doesn't make any sense losers talk about doing that's why it's on the honorable mention list widows go home and fuck the prom queen All right, Jay, my number one. Mr. Cordiata and Binks, Mr. Your Humble Servant. That won't be necessary. Oh, but it is. It is demanded by the gods, it is. Oh, no! This is one that I'm sure 
listeners of this show and for my Podfix Presents show, A Certain Point of View, are all very aware of. It is Darth Jar Jar. That Jar Jar Binks from episodes one, two, and three is actually the secret Sith Lord the entire time. I, I love this theory. I love it. There's, there are so many YouTube videos on how this is the truth. And like, even at a point when a Reddit user had posted that they believe that Darth, that, that Jar Jar Binks was meant to be the secret Sith Lord, but never came to fruition because of how much fans hated Jar Jar Binks and his roles got reduced. Ahmed Best, the actor who played Jar Jar Binks, said, I'm thankful that somebody, you know, saw this and and got that from the performance. That doesn't mean that it's admission that it's true, but it just means that somebody looked at his performance and gave it and gave it some weight. But what I love about this is how great would it have been if this character that you despised all through episode one as this bumbling stupid character who you felt was destroying your franchise in the second one they start planting seeds that he's the bad guy and by the third one the full revelation comes out that he is the one behind it all emperor palpatine's Mm. marching to his tune Mm. and that they're like the youtube videos are like it shows jar jar's mouth moving behind someone's ear as they're saying something and it looks like the lips match up like he's kind of sith mind controlling people there's times where he's doing things that we don't see other gungans able to do and it almost seems like he's using the force a lot to, so like his dumb luck is kind of like a legend of drunken master type of drunk luck where it's actually a form of sith kung fu <laughs> sounds so ridiculous but i swear to god there are so many good videos about this i'll have to post one of them in the description for you guys to check out because like i honestly like watching this stuff i was like i kind of wish we could go back and do a star wars trilogy where jar jar banks turns out to be the sith lord the entire time could you imagine the final fight between obi-wan kenobi and jar jar yeah (laughs) no i can't just can't you saw me in your end, Mr. Kenobi. <laughs> uh, you're an agent of evil, Darth Jaja. <laughs> All you, brother. Jay, Jay, that, that's why these are fan theories that we wish <laughs> were true. <laughs> Not that they are. Uh, <laughs> so, if you... <laughs> Misa got bummed by Sith powers. (laughs) Misa bummed by Jad Jedi. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Could you just imagine that movie, Shane? Could you imagine how much better the Star Wars universe would be for this? (laughs) If this existed, it would be the best thing ever. I would love it. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you would. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what Twitter has to say about this. Our this this theories. would this would blow Empire Strikes Back out of the water. <laughs> hey, every fan complaining and coming up with fan theories about fucking the Knights of Ren would be like, you know, be super cool. Is <laughs> is if that Jar Jar was the secret Sith Lord. <laughs> All right. 
Oh God! So if you guys have oh, any fan man. theories that are about movies that are interesting to you oh, yeah. and yet you wish were true, please reach out to us on Twitter at Super Movie Pod. You can also reach out to Jay on Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast on there. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Have a great night and cheers. Cheers. I don't know why I lost it so much at Darth Jar Jar. It's just such a hilarious that premise. Just- it's so funny. <laughs>